Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. We've got two guests for you this hour. Our first is Dr. Aaron Judkins, an author and archaeologist. Now he's credited with mapping the longest contiguous dinosaur trackway in Western Hemisphere. That's near Glenrose, Texas, and that was back about 20 years ago. That same year, Dr. Judkins discovered a new theropod dinosaur trail in the Paloxy River named in his honor the Judkins Trail. He has participated in numerous excavations throughout the United States and Israel. He hosts his own internet show called Man vs. Archaeology, Exposing Forbidden Archaeology and the Mysteries of the Past. There are books out there also called Alien Agenda, Return of the Nephilim. And Aaron, welcome to the program. I'm looking forward to this. Hi, George. Thanks for having me on. I have been fascinated since I was a kid with Noah's Ark. How about you? Oh, sure. We've all been fascinated by this uh, this story that we all grew up with of Noah's Ark. It's been embedded into our culture, and not only our culture, George, but uh, around the world. Uh, there are over 500 ubiquitous flood legends around uh, around the world, and they all have their own Noah, their own family, their own boat. But there is a common thread, and that is that something happened in the ancient past, and it was cataclysmic. Uh, absolutely. The late astronaut, uh, he walked on the moon with Apollo 15, James Irwin. Uh, he was fascinated with Noah's Ark, became a minister, and he too went looking for this ark. He did. One of the great explorers, Colonel Jim Irwin, uh, he was our Apollo 15 astronaut that walked on the moon. Um, he, his life was about adventure. And uh, he uh, said that he had flown over a, an object over greater Ararat in eastern Turkey when he was in the military. And he always wondered about what he flew over. He said it was a superstructure of some kind. And so after he retired out of the Apollo missions, he spent the remaining part of his life dedicated to searching for that anomaly on Ararat in eastern Turkey making some nine climbs on the mountain, nearly losing his life on one occasion, overnighted, exposed on the, in the elements, and uh, they couldn't get to him. But when they did, they feared that he was going to be dead when they got to him the next morning. He was alive, but just barely, and he was hospitalized for four days, really banged up, had a head injury, um, but he spent uh, the remaining part of his life, George, searching for this object on Ararat, and then he passed the baton on uh, to others in, in all of his research. But he did believe that there is something there. There was another fellow who died in 1999, Aaron, uh, who was uh, Ron Wyatt, and he too was looking for Noah's Ark, wasn't he? Well, he, he was, and, and Ron has made some claims when he was alive. He's passed away now. Uh, I would have liked to have met him. I know people that did know him, and uh, I think he had some some fascinating uh, uh, things that he studied. I, I'm very fascinated with some of the uh, claims that he made about the Red Sea crossing of the Exodus. I think there's some merit there. I disagree with him, however, on the Noah's Ark location. Uh, Ron believed that it was at a site called the Darupinar site, 
and this is some, uh, you know, 15, 20 miles away from Mount Ararat across the valley up on another hill. And um, he caught wind of this site uh, through a Time magazine article that came out in 1960. And basically, it was a NATO general who was uh, taking uh, photos of uh, aerial photo, recon photos of that area. And um, Time magazine, a number of years went by, but then later, that was in the 50s, 1960, Time magazine picked it up of this photograph that was uh, shaped like a boat. And so Ron saw the 1960 Time magazine article mm-hmm. and went to Turkey and actually found that site. That was back in the days. This was now back probably in the 70s when Ron went there and actually found this site. I don't know how he found it, but back in those days, there was no Google Earth and Google Google Maps. And so uh, he he just used uh, old-fashioned ingenuity and an old-fashioned map, and he got to Turkey and got to the locals, and they helped him find this area. So uh, Ron spent a number of years... Uh, researching at that site. However, uh, over the decades, multiple geologists and archaeologists alike have independently looked at this site called the Durupinar site. It's shaped like a boat, but uh, in the end, uh, uh, most have agreed, most scientists have agreed, that's not Noah's Ark. Now, there are some who are still looking at that site very, very closely. I have personal friends with a, with a gentleman who is actively looking at that site and is trying to get permits to dig an, an actual uh, dig, an excavation at that site. So what we know now is that um, the uh, the claims that Ron made for this particular site, being Noah's Ark, has not been um, agreed on by the consensus of archaeologists who have looked at that site. Wasn't the site uh, of Mount Ararat uh, a danger zone because of the Turks and the Kurds? And has that gotten a little more peaceful, or is it still bad? Well, yeah, absolutely. This is a uh, geopolitical area that is a hotspot. This uh, borders many uh, uh, countries like uh, Russia to the north and Iran, Syria, um, Iraq. Uh, This is a very um, geopolitical danger zone. It's it's a military zone. That mountain uh, is a military uh, high point. Right. Very strategic, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And even so, that the Turkish military can't even get on that mountain. Why? Because the Kurdish PKK, the freedom fighters, have control of that mountain. So the, the, the Turkish military couldn't even go where we went. It's a very dangerous uh, area to be in. Um, at the time that I climbed the mountain with the team, uh, there was a truce between the Turkish military and the PKK. However, that truce broke in the middle of our climb uh, while we are actually on oh, the summit. Oh, jeez. Uh, much, much to our, um, we, we had no idea uh, until a part of our team was captured. Uh, the first part of the team who descended down the mountain was captured by, by the PKK, uh, some 40 to 50 men with machine guns came out of the rocks, forced them around the side of the mountain, off the, off the main trail. Now, there is no trail, but they forced them around the side of the mountain several hours out mm. of the way, confiscated their passports and their cell phones, and was led to one of the PKK generals, 
who then demanded a tax. Uh-huh. And, they, it's uh, all about money, isn't it, Eric? <laughs> they wanted a lot of money, George. And um, so um, uh, they talked their way out of it. Um, but they wanted a lot of money, $600,000. Oh, my God. <laughs> this, the, 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 you folks didn't have that on you, did you? Oh, uh, of course not. But um, this was, you know, this was a, a claim that uh, he, he wanted uh, because he needed new boots for his soldiers. He needed bread. He needed coats. And uh, so those were the things that they were wanting. Of course, they didn't get any of that from us. But um, uh, in the end, they let us go. Um, the Kurds are very friendly to Westerners, thankfully. Now, back in the 80s, that would have not been the case. Uh, some of the men who climbed with Colonel Jim Irwin, who we talked about earlier, actually um, told me that uh, in the 80s, they were woken up about 6 a.m., a bullet ricocheted uh, off the rock, went through one of the tents. Oh, boy. Jeez. And then a machine gun came through the tent and forced them out at gunpoint, uh, took all their belongings, put it in the pile, including not only their cameras, their film cameras, their passports uh, was confiscated, but put their camp gear and their boots in a pile and burned it. And then they lined them up against the rocks and pretending like they were going to execute uh, these these uh, gentlemen. So Jeez. it's very dangerous. Um, and, and, you know, like you said, it's not just a military zone, but it's a, uh, a geological zone. You know, this is an area that has, uh, you know, active earthquakes. There's huge rocks. There's all kinds of wild animals. There's people that will... Uh, just uh, kill you and for no reason, and uh, not to mention the the fighting between the the Turkish military and the PKK. So this is a very uh, active spot, and it's a very dangerous spot to be in. Now the Bible says that the ark came to rest on Mount Ararat. So when the seas, the floodwaters receded, that's where the ship was, and it just came on the side. Do we know how high up? On the mount, it might be, and is it covered in ice? What do you think? Okay, there's a couple of different uh, th schools of thought on that. We believe that, uh, and of course, our scientific expedition did go to the eastern plateau on Greater Ararat. Now, there's two Ararats uh, in, in eastern Turkey. There's Greater Ararat, which is at almost 17,000 feet. Um, this is an area that is definitely uh, problematic. It has... Uh, some 200 uh, glaciers, permanent glaciers up on the mountain. This is um, snow-capped most of the year. Um, it is 22 square miles of ice, 200 feet thick in some places. And uh, it is one of the largest land masses on the earth. Weather is a really big problem on that mountain. So at 17,000 feet, you can imagine trying to work, just trying to get your gear all the scientific gear that needed to be up there, plus yourself, is, is quite a task. Um, we believe that it is on greater Ararat. Now, there's lesser Ararat, which is right next to it. It's at about 14,000 feet. And the Bible doesn't distinguish. It just says at the, the base of Mount Ararat or something like that, right? Right. It, right. What, what, what the Bible says about it is that the, in Genesis, it says that the ark landed on the mountains of Ararat. Now, this is where some differences come in in, in opinion, because uh, most people say, well, the Bible says that the, that the 
uh, ark landed on the mountains of Ararat, which is plural. Now, Mount Ararat is a single mountain. And so there's there's a uh, a problem here that often gets overlooked, and they discard uh, or discount Mount Ararat as being on the mountains of Ararat. And I did some scholarly work on this because this has been such an issue for ARC researchers about where the ARC landed. There's alternative sites to Mount Ararat or Greater Ararat. Um, there's um, the Durupinar site, which we talked about with Ron Wyatt. There's Mount Suleiman in the Elborz Mountains in northern Iran. There's also Mount Judy, or over there they call it Kuti because they can't pronounce a J. They pronounce it with a C or a K. So Mount Kuti. Uh, some people think that it's uh, it's about 50 miles um, north of Mosul Iraq, and it's in the southwest part of Ararat. Um, and uh, so there's there's been several alternative sites for these mountains of Ararat. But when you get down to it, uh, some of the serious concerns about Mount Ararat versus Mount Cudi or Mount Judy is really what the Bible says about the biblical mountains of Urartu, because we know in ancient history, Urartu is another modern, uh, is a word that we know as modern day or the region of Ararat, Urartu. This is an ancient uh, time that um, the biblical name Ararat was thought to be the variation of Urartu. So in ancient ancient times, this is what they would have described this area as, is the kingdom of Urartu. Um, now, they didn't have vowels um, back in those days, so they didn't spell it with a U. They just, uh, it was all consonants per se, so it would be an RRT. So back in those days, they would have uh, this area of Urartu, or the kingdom of Urartu, and in the um, in the Turkish language, Kudida or Mount Judy is is Kudida, and this means the highest or the heights in Arabic. And so, when some people are looking at Mount Ararat, the highest mountain in this region is Mount Ararat at seventeen thousand feet. So we know that this is probably the location. For the Ark, now back in those times, um, the Ark probably didn't land at 17,000 feet. That mountain, according to geologists, was probably only 10,000 feet. And, and this thing is big. It's half as big as the Titanic, but it's bigger than a football field. Oh, it's, 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 it's huge. And what we know from the references uh, that uh, this is a... Uh, this is uh, built in uh, um, probably about 500 feet long, um, 75 foot wide, 50 foot high, and it, it's uh, it's a huge uh, superstructure, just like Jim Irwin thought he flew over. Not only Jim, but multiple others. Have well, seen well, you've the, me- you've mentioned Google Earth, Aaron. Can it be spotted from above? Well, it's interesting you said that because there are people who have spotted something on Ararat. I've actually got uh, an image captured on Google Earth that shows a rectangular object sticking out of the ice. And it is um, uh, it's, it's very uh, close to uh, what Ararat would be built as. Now, we have to remember, uh, let's compare the Darupinar side of that boat-shaped uh, object on the ground. Air, um, the, the arc... And the Hebrew term is not a ship or a boat 
like we would think of today with a rudder and a sail and all that. It's not designed to sail. Uh, the Hebrews had a word for ship, but they didn't use that word. They used the word teba, and this means a rectangular box. Yeah, it's it was built to float. It was a floating barge. It was a life support vessel. And this thing was built in a six-to-one ratio. This rectangular box had straight sides. It had no bow, no keel, no hull. And uh, so we know that this was a container. It was a literal life support vessel, and it floated. And this thing was probably uh, to the point where it could hold um, 1.5 cubic million feet. Uh, that's equal to about 522 rail cars, uh, if, if we can put it in perspective. So that's a lot of payload in that ark. But the Bible says only eight people went down the ark. Well, one of the objects of the um, of, of contention is, is, well, how do you get all the animals in the ark? Right. And so uh, if, we, if we look at species uh, and not the kinds, uh, we understand that there's some 18,000 species uh, and that's narrower than the kinds, and so you have a you have room for the ark if you go with the species, and so this gives you enough room uh, for about 125,000 species uh, for the animals to go in the ark. So there's been uh, a lot of studies done on this particular subject uh, by uh, good researchers and scientists who have looked at the math, have looked at the uh, dimensions, and they run all the numbers and all the math and According to them, now this isn't um, this isn't my research, but according to others, there was plenty of room on the ark for everything. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.